0: Let's, uh, let's, let's keep our seat tonight. I think what I'm going to do is just start in verse number one and start trying to handle this more expositionally uh, rather than read a whole bunch of scripture and then try to go back over it again. Uh, let me just start in verse number one, work my way down through here, and uh, see if we can, uh, can do this for the sake of time. All right. Uh, first, second Corinthians chapter number 11. If I said first Corinthians, I apologize. Second Corinthians Chapter number 11, verse number 1, the Bible said, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Now, I believe the writer Paul to the church church at Corinth is wanting them to look into the depths of his heart He's got something on his heart that he wants to portray to them, an explanation that he wants to give them, but he's wanting them to see the motivation of his heart. And so while he is saying this, he's wanting them to understand, if you'll just bear with me, you ever, you ever say that to somebody, bear with me for a moment and I want to bear my heart to you. And, uh, and I believe that's what he's saying here. He says, for I am jealous over you with, with godly jealousy. And now we've. Grazed over this thought And I really don't want to, to hover here But you find this conjunction Godly jealousy And we talked just the other I believe it was Sunday uh, uh, About how that uh, God's name is Jealous With a capital J That is one of the names of God We find in the word of God He is a jealous God And so this jealousy that uh, Paul has Towards the church at Corinth Was was with God in mind Okay Okay and the Bible says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Essentially what he's saying is there's only room for one man in your life, and that's Jesus. He's telling the church here, the bride of Christ, this particular body of believers, uh, that uh, basically there's only room for, for one man in your life, and that's Jesus. I've espoused you uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to present you uh, as a, as a, we we hear it sometimes said, I'm a I'm a one woman man. Well in this case, it's a one man woman. All right, and uh, so the Bible says here. But I fear. Now now notice that he sent out my desire. I have a godly jealousy. I have espoused you uh, to to one man, Jesus Christ, that you that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear. All right, uh, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled. Now, beguiled means misled by craft or uh, eluded by stratagem, And that means a plan, if you will, for for deceiving an enemy. And so we understand that's exactly what Satan done to Eve. He was a deceiver. Uh, He was a liar, right? We understand that. But I fear lest many means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. And we understand that subtlety is a extreme acuteness or slyness in design, uh, we find here that uh, he's saying, but I fear as many means as the servant beguiled through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or, if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might uh, uh, might well bear with him. Alright, now let me, let me pause, because I want to deal with something here that I think we miss a lot of times as born-again believers. We, we understand the problem, and, and, and it's always in the early church, apostasy, apostasy, apostasy. We find a lot of times that the grace was something that some had a problem accepting uh, and, and the simplicity of what Jesus Christ came to do. And people want to add the works of the law or their works, or their self-righteousness or their, what they're bringing to the table uh, to, to be uh, coupled with grace to make salvation what they thought it should be or what they thought that it was. But we understand here that simply we're saved by grace through faith. It's, it's, it's not of anything that we brought to the table. Now, because we're saved, we have some works. I, I mean, you know, we, we exemplify Christ because of what Christ's done in us. You can't have Christ in you and somehow or another that not come out and permeate in you mm-hmm. in some capacity. So you, you have works because we have Christ, but we don't have Christ because we had works. Okay? Uh, and, and if we was trying to get to heaven based on our works, we would fall short. Uh, every time, right? It's take. It's going to take grace, but it's it's really that Christ in our, our life. It, it's it's a change of heart. We 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 have a different mindset, a different goal because of what Christ has done in our life. But but notice he says, "For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus." Now I want you to understand something. The the we read these scriptures and we think that that somebody comes along and preaches a, another. Uh, another way to salvation that, that we would stand against that, would we not? I mean if somebody come in here and preach something other than Jesus Christ for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved somebody presented to you another way we would know that that's wrong but I want you to understand when somebody comes in here and portrays Jesus contrary to how the Bible defines Jesus it's also wrong now Jesus defines himself In the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. We understand this book, this holy written Word of God, it is God's Word for us. And we look into His Word, and His Word defines for us who He is. And when you and I try to redefine Him differently than this book defines Him, we're preaching another Jesus. See, if I only want to give you half or a portion of of Brother Shane's attributes when I am trying to to teach you about Brother Shane, I'm really doing an injustice. Uh, I could probably pick out a portion of things that I either liked or didn't like and begin to hone in on those one things, but I wouldn't be presenting to you all of who he is. I could sit down, and, and if me and Donnie spent a lot of time together, I might could nitpick Brother Donnie's life, and when I want to explain to you who Donnie is, I could give you a portion of who Donnie is, but not a well-rounded view. Of who Donnie is, so here's what happens: is for if he that cometh preaches another, a preacheth, for he that excuse me for he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, then we understand that there's a problem. I want to notice, uh, and I'm going to read this again to you because I, I've read it to you several times, but I want to get the scripture straight. Go into First John again, chapter number one, and let me read to you verse fourteen because this is this is very important. <clears throat> the Bible says in John, the Gospel, John, Gospel of John, in verse number 14 of chapter 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I want you to understand something. The two attributes that show us the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ was grace grace. And truth. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. Let me tell you what's happening today in churches across this land. We're preaching the grace of Jesus, but we're not preaching the truth. We're wanting people to see that God's grace is what it is, it's unmerited favor, but we're preaching Jesus now, Brother Shane, in today's society without repentance. For, for what is there to repent of? I mean, God's gracious. He gave Jesus. Jesus died. I mean, you know, that's all we need. No, no, we have to realize we're a sinner. We have to realize that we were destined for hell because of who we are and how we were born. And so in order for somebody to get the grace, they have to take the truth. And what's, what's unfortunate is, is we lack certain attributes of God and in certain attributes we leave out. See, we lean heavy on the grace and, and lax on the truth Then what we have is is we've got unregenerated sinners. We have uh, people that were born sinners that failed to repent of their sin. And they want the grace but they won't take the truth. We've, We've got a society today where they want the goodness of God and the grace of God. And the love of God and the hugs of God and the blessings of God. But they don't want to see themselves a sinner. They don't want you to preach on anything. You can hover on stuff and just kind of preach in generalities. And that's, you know, we can take it. We swallow it, you know, we can put up with it. But don't start preaching on specifics because then we're going to get mad and angry. We need specifics. We need need to see our sin for what it is. And so Jesus, we understand, is truth. Brother Ray, often when he'll pray, he'll talk about salt and light. Salt and light. You understand Jesus is the light of the world. Light is illuminating. Now, David said, Thy word have I had in my heart that I might not sin against God. The word illuminated to me who I was. It illuminated me the truth of who I was and the truth of who he was. And I could not accept the truth and I could not get the grace. You cannot have part of Jesus and leave the other part out. And unfortunately, we've learned to capitalize today in churches where we have easy believism and no sin is ever dealt with and problems are never brought before the church. And we sweep things under the rug and we compromise today. And we just live in a society where, you know, the hard stuff we are quiet about, let's just talk about Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus without talking about the truth because he is the truth. He's found the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. You don't get to him, to God, without going to Jesus Christ. And you can't accept Jesus Christ if you can't accept the truth. We've got to get back to the truth. And as much as people don't like it, it's healthy for us. And we need it. And now I find that what happens is, is we, it's like generationally. I don't know what it is, but I'm dealing with people now that's in their 70s and their 80s. Things that they used to stand on, they don't stand on anymore. Why? They've let it go by the wayside. Now I want you to know our Bible tells us that's going to happen. For in the last days, what's going to happen? Perilous times are going to come. But we understand that men, men, women, boys and girls who have itching ears will turn away from the truth of the word of God. And be turned into fables. We understand that. So let me explain to you what happens here. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, if you preach Jesus and all you lean on, Brother Shane, is the grace, you're preaching another Jesus than this Bible preaches. And when churches capitalize all the time on God's grace and God's goodness, and we never deal with the sin. And we never deal with the deception of the devil. And we never deal with people uh, that, are, that are, are carnal and people that are cold and people that are complacent. We're not preaching the Jesus that the Bible preaches. We're doing a great injustice. The Bible says here that uh, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same as in the beginning with God all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. So the Word was the light. Jesus is and was the Word, but Jesus is also the light. You can't have the light without the Word. The Word illuminates. The Word is what? Truth. Thy Word is truth. John 17, 17. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light. Now I wonder why the Bible felt the need to emphasize the true light. Because there's some false light. There's some artificial light. There's some things that are not real. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world... Knew Him not. He came into His own. His own received him not. As many received Him. Them gave He power. To become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name. Which were born not of blood. Nor of the will of flesh. Nor of the will of man. But of God. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. And the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. I find it amazing. That in this portion of Scripture. The first 14 verses. Of the first chapter of the book of John. That we find that He came into His own. His own received Him not. But also we find that. uh, That. that we beheld the glory, His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. How do you behold the glory of God? How do you behold the glory of God, but receive Him not? Because you won't accept the truth. The truth is the light. He is the truth. He is the light. The problem was, no one would believe the truth. No one would take the word at His word. You have to take the word at His word. If you want grace... Then you have to want truth. Truth hurts. But I'll tell you this. You don't find grace without truth. But you don't find truth without grace. I'm glad that when I find truth, grace is made available. But I can't have the grace unless I'm willing to accept the truth. We're doing an injustice today to people that are, come under the influence of, of what we have to say when all we want to give them is the grace of God but never the truth of what God has to say. For that is the attribute of the glory of God. For the glory Jesus Christ beheld the glory of God. We're going to find that in just a minute. But I want you to understand something. Those two attributes is what made his glory what it was. That was his glory. That's how you beheld his glory was Jesus came full. Now if something's full, there's no room for anything else. So the only thing that he came, the only two attributes that he brought was grace and truth. You better be thankful that he brought grace. See, he he came not to do away with the law, but to what? Fulfill it. They had a problem. They wouldn't accept him. They wouldn't accept his message. But man, he was bringing grace. But because they couldn't accept the truth, they couldn't get the grace. That doesn't change today. Mother Donnie, if we want the grace of God in our life, we've got to accept the truth. But I'm glad that once we accept it, aren't you glad that when we accept it, that grace is available? He's not asking too much out of us. He just wants us to accept the truth. So, having said that here, the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4 For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might, be- uh, might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles, but though I be rude in speech. Now I want to say this. This, this does not mean that Paul purposed to be uh, the southbound end of a northbound mule. Okay? That's not what he's purposing to be. He wasn't trying to be a rear. What he's saying here though is because I, I was untrained in speech. But we find that although he was untrained in speech, he did not lack, Brother Shane, in power. And the Spirit of God. How do we know? Because first Corinthians chapter two verse one said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellent speech, excellency of speech, or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So he wasn't he wasn't eloquent, Brother Shane, in speech. But he came with the power of God on his preaching. That's important. That's something we need to understand. I I counseled a man one time, a young man, that had a problem with the fact that I talked about the need to have tears once again coupled with our words. And his argument to me was you don't have to have tears to proclaim the word of God. And while I understand that to some degree, I want you to understand something. Your tears are connected to your heart. And when you're, a bro- when you're really hurting and you're broken hearted. Because see when you, when you hurt you cry. That's an emotion that's coupled with pain. We ought to be so pained for the loss that it brings a tear to our eye once again. And he used this example to me. He said well Elijah was even sarcastic. He said Elijah mocked the prophets of Baal. I said well when you can call fire down from heaven. Then you can be sarcastic and start mocking too. <laughs> My point is this though. We have to have the Spirit of God. We don't have to be eloquent in speech. We don't have to be the best in oratory, but we must have the power of God. And what he's saying here is, but though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. See, he didn't, he didn't have the, 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 the perfect vernacular. And, uh, and, and I, I can tell you this, a lot of times I use southern expression and southern draw, and I put ain't when I shouldn't say I, and, and, sh- and I mess all out. I, I just absolutely butcher the English language. But the idea here is that we have a knowledge of what God's book is saying to us, and what Paul preached, he needed the knowledge of what God expected out of him. He said, But though I be rude in speech, yet not in, no- uh, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached you the gospel of God freely? I robbed other churches taking wages of them to do you service. Now, obviously, this is not literal. Uh, Paul is, is using a hyperbole, if you will. He's, he's not, he's not uh, holding them at gunpoint another church at Macedonia or something and taking their money. What he's saying here is I robbed other churches taking wages of them. Other churches were supporting him financially to do the work that he was doing at the church at Corinth. And he was taking nothing of the church at Corinth to do the work. Now, notice with me here, it says, I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. So there was a church somewhere, Brother Shane, that was established that was paying Paul to take the gospel to a carnal church. And we know the church at Corinth to be a carnal church. Now there's a reason why I believe Paul didn't take money from the church at Corinth, although he could have. The church at Corinth could have supported Paul. Paul chose not to have them support him. Why? Because they were carnal. And a church that's carnal, you start taking money from a carnal church, then they want to treat you like a hireling and make you do for them what they want to do. And so he gave them no occasion to use that against him. He was wise as a servant, but harmless as a dove. Notice this. He said, I robbed of the churches... Taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted. In other words he had some things he needed. Brother Shane some things he he wanted. He was in want. I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me. The brethren which came from Macedonia. Supplied. What he was in need of. the, The churches in Macedonia was helping to supply him. With what he needed. And in all things I have kept myself. From being burdensome. Burdensome unto you. And so will I keep myself. As the truth of Christ. Now now let me say this to you real quick. To get a carnal person or a carnal people spiritual. It will take something out of you. It will cost you something. You will have to be willing to pay. And I will be honest with you. Others will have to be willing to pay. To help get someone that is carnal spiritual. And while the church at Macedonia was willing to pay. He knew better than to be taking finances from the church at Corinth. Because they were too carnal to understand the work of the ministry as it was, all right. So, the Bible says here, and the truth of Christ is in me. No man shall stop me of this boasting in the regions of Achaia, Achaia. Wherefore, because I love you not? Question mark. Wherefore? Question mark. Because I love you not? Question mark. God knows. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. Now I want to say this, we're fixing to deal with false apostles and deceitful workers. It is also possible, Brother Shane, that, that one of these false prophets or false apostles could come along and spread seed of doubt in the church of Corinth because the church of Corinth could have been paying Paul a financial sum of money to help him in his ministry. All right? And so having said that, <clears throat> he's going to deal with this here. He says he's not going to give anybody any occasion to to take the work that he's invested in the Church of Corinth and do away with it. So he's, he's, he's being mindful, he's paying attention to his surroundings. And I'll be honest with you, if you're gonna be in the ministry, if you're gonna do something for God, if you're going to, you better pay attention, and, and you don't have to be a psychologist, but you better be able to understand people. You better be able to understand that, that there are carnal people, and carnal people don't think like you do if you're spiritual and they don't think like the Bible does. We know the Bible's spiritual. And so they're, they're looking for this opportunity if they can to hang you. And it's unfortunate because there's enough bad apples out there that's treated some churches bad enough that they have got a bad taste in their mouth for some things that really aren't ungodly but it's just been mistreated so that they don't trust anybody. And so you've got to work extra hard to win that trust. And we see a man here that, that uh, is trying to do that. But he says this, For such are false apostles. Verse 13, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now I want to say this, when we got saved by the grace of God, how did we change? Did we just wake up one morning and decide to be different? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. What become new was the spirit of God abides on the inside. I'm still wrapped in this flesh, but now I've got Jesus Christ on the inside of, or the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of me that, uh, that does not bear witness with sin, does not want me to sin, and deals with my heart if I do sin. Now, that's the new creature. I'm still wrapped in the old flesh. So understand here that the Bible says, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves. You didn't transform yourself, Brother Shane. You didn't put Jesus Christ or the Spirit of God on the inside. He did. You accepted the finished work of Calvary. You called upon the name which is above every name. And the Lord, uh, the Spirit of God now dwells on the inside, but you didn't put him there. You you opened the door, invited him in, but he had to come in. So notice with me, if you will, that, that the Bible said, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers transform themselves into apostles of Christ, and no marvel. See, that that that's hard, it was hard to swallow. But this is what he does. He backs up what he's saying about these false teachers, these false apostles by going a step farther and say, don't marvel. Don't be surprised. This shouldn't shock you. Can I say it shouldn't shock us today that we live in a land today where there's many false people telling us false truths and false doctrines and false churches and false preachers and false teachers. And I'm not talking about getting on TBN. I'm talking about in the county which we live in. People that's preaching something, preaching another Jesus than what this Bible preaches. And so the Bible says, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light." Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. Now here's what I really want to deal with tonight. and I've got some scriptures to help me maybe back this up. But the interesting thing, what I really want to draw your attention to is Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. When we read John chapter number one, we find that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the one that comes with attributes of grace and truth to exemplify the glory of God. But men wouldn't receive Him because they wouldn't receive the truth. Well, if men would not receive the truth, why would Satan, who is a liar, want to look like truth? Because Jesus is the Word. The Word is truth. And we understand that that the Word was the light of the world. The Word, the truth, the light, it's it's all equal. It's all the same. You don't find the light without the truth. You don't find the truth apart from the Word. And so where the word is, there's truth, and where truth is, there's light. Why would Satan, who is a deceiver and a liar, want to look like light or look like truth? Now, notice 2 Timothy 3.1. You don't have to turn there. We do want you to turn to Hebrews for just a moment, if you will. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number 1. Now the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. This know also. That in the last uh, days. Perilous times. Shall come. We know that. That's, that's a very familiar scripture. And we would say tonight. That we are in the last days of the last days. The last days have been. Uh, ever since the crucifix of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice what the Bible says. In Hebrews chapter number 1. God. Who at sundry. Times sundry is divers or various. God who at sundry times and in divers manners, so various times and various manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, that's interesting to me that, that in this portion of Scripture, that while we're talking about God speaking in time past by the fathers, um, or unto the fathers by the prophets, had in least that they spoken to us by his Son, which we know that Jesus is, is the Word, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, how did he make the worlds? Psalms 33, verse 6 is, By the Word of the Lord were the heavens made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth for the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Listen now verse 9. Psalms 33 verse 9. For he spake and it was done. The word spoke. Now in the beginning was the word. The word was, get, was with God. and The word was God. And there was not anything made without him. So what does that mean? We're seeing here in verse or chapter 1 of Hebrews the emphasis of the power of the word of God. At God's word, brother Donnie, the earth hung on its axis. At God's word, he created what we see today. But it's Jesus is the word. And we know that that Jesus said or God said let us make man in our image. We know that this wasn't done apart from Jesus Christ. So can I say this, Jesus was the word that was spoken, that hung what we see on its axis and the creation that we are a part of today, come by the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Notice with me, if you will, the Bible said, by whom also he made the wor- of the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory. Now notice that, who being the brightness of his glory, who are we talking about? God. We're talking about God. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers of the prophets. Notice this though, verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Who are we talking about now? Jesus is the express image, brother Shane, of the person of God. Jesus on earth was the express image of the God that we serve. Now we understand that, that Jesus was God in the flesh. But the man Christ Jesus was expressing to us, to man, the image of God. How? Through grace and truth. Notice this. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. I'm talking about the power of the word now, Brother Shane. When he had by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty of God. So by himself he purged our sins. By himself, the world hangs in existence. The world hangs in existence. By uh, the Word, we understand that, that creation exists today. That's the power of the Word of God. We fail to realize the inferences of the Word, and the Word is what? Truth. We don't get Jesus, the Jesus that you and I know, if we want to take truth away from who he was we must accept the grace and we must accept the truth so understand here John 8:12 said then spake Jesus again unto them saying i am the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life makes me wonder why satan would want to to be transformed into an angel of light. The illumination we understand here, light is illumination. The illumination uh, is the uh, of the light is truth. Truth shows us um, truth being exemplified. as truth being is light, but but a lie? If truth is light, we would have to say that a lie would be darkness. If if the word is truth and truth is light then we understand you don't have light apart from truth, so a lie has to be synonymous with darkness. So Satan, we understand, is a liar. We know he's a liar. The Bible teaches us he is a liar. And so John 8 and verse 41 says, You do the deeds of your father, then said they to him we be born, not a fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Now, you've got to realize here, when we look back at the book of Hebrews, and we're in chapter number one, if I can get myself back over here, the Bible says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Talking about God. Jesus is the express image of the person of God. God. You do your deeds of the fathers, and said that to him we be born not of fornication, we have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, ye would love me, for I proceed forth and came from God. In other words, I am the express image of the God which you are talking about. Yet you are rejecting me. And to reject Jesus is to reject God. So he says here, For I proceed forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? You're not illuminated. You're not seeing it because you won't accept what I'm saying. You know what happened when when Jesus formed the world? It yielded to him, Brother Shane, and done what he said do. When he said, let there be light, there was light. But when he spoke to man, man would not hear his word. Man's still not hearing his word today. Man wants Jesus, but man don't want the parts of Jesus that make him Jesus. And that's truth. They want grace, but no truth. It's sad today because there's preachers in the pulpit that all they ever want to talk about is grace and they will to give you no truth. Truth hurts. Truth cuts. But the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharply leading to two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing center of the soul and spirit, and the joints and the marrow, of the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It will quicken, it will cut, it will circumcise the heart, it will get us where we need to be to see that we were sinners on our way to hell, or if we're saved by the grace of God, that we're carnal and not spiritual and need to get on an altar of repentance and get our heart right with God. Well, we love Jesus, but we don't love truth. If you don't love truth, you don't love Jesus. If you don't like truth, you don't like Jesus. Because Jesus is grace and truth. And for somebody to sit in stiff-necked rebellion against God in the pew listening to the truth, that Bible that, that he esteems so high, his word that we'll be judged by, to not like it is to not like Jesus. That's sad. That's like me saying I love Brother Shane but I hate everything about you. That's for me to say I love my wife, but but can't stand her guts. This book from Genesis to Revelation permeates Jesus Christ. The scarlet thread runs from the book of Genesis to the back of Revelation. And if you don't like it, and you don't like the Bible, and you can't take the truth, and let me tell you, there's people that grew up in the Baptist church that's in their 70s and 80s, and they just don't like the truth. They're stiff-necked to the truth. Get mad when you tell them the truth. You know what the problem is? They just are having a hard time loving Jesus. But the Bible says in verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father he will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Notice that. He abode not in the truth. When you abide not in the truth, when you hate the truth, you're not leaning towards Jesus. You're leaning towards the devil. Just give us grace. Jesus is love. Jesus is grace. I don't want all that other stuff. Well, what you want's the devil, because Jesus is the other stuff. All right. So the Bible said, "You ever your father, the devil, and of the lust your father ye will do." He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. What a Wait, what? There's no truth in him. Then why does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians chapter number eleven? And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed. Into an angel of light, why would he want to look like truth if there's no truth in him? That's scary. Because I'm afraid there's a lot of places today that look like truth, but there's no truth in them. When somebody looks you in the eyes and says, well, you need to understand, or but, or this or that, what they're saying is, is they have a heart of compromise. And a heart of compromise doesn't lean towards the grace of the Lord Jesus that I serve. It leans towards the deception of the devil. So notice, if you will, and and I'm not trying to be hateful. What's sad is, is we've lost a generation of our older folks to this compromise. And they think that they're being spiritual because of all the grace that's in their heart. What they are, they're obstinate to a portion of Jesus. And they're not preaching and teaching The Jesus that I serve and the Jesus of this Bible. What they've done is they've formed their own ideas of Jesus. Well, that's scary, ain't it? Because the devil would like to change your ideas of Jesus. The devil tried to change the very first woman that was ever placed upon God's earth about what Jesus or what God said. If if he would do that with the very first woman on earth, he'll do that to the very last one. And every other body in between, man, woman, boy or girl, if he can deceive you, he's going to deceive you. Now let me, say, let, me let me drive this point home. If men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, why would Satan want to be light? Or portray light? Because somebody that loves darkness, Brother Donnie, the devil's already got them. But see, there's, there's this thing called the church. And the devil hates the church. And what the devil really hates is the church that believes God's word because they're believing in the Jesus that the Bible teaches and tells us about. So let me caution you right off the bat. We see right here that the devil's a liar. He's more faithful in his work than most Christians are. He's not going to stop, but we're seeing here his attack plan. See, he's not coming and flanking us from behind without us not knowing that he's going to do it. We've just turned a blind eye to it and, and rolled over and, and accepted this false truth. So understand here, uh, the Bible says here uh, in verse 44 of John 8, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do, is a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth. Now, how is he a murderer from the beginning? Well, it's appointed the, the man wants to die, and after this judgment, why Because by the sin of one man, death passed upon all men. Brother Donnie, you're going to die today because the devil is a murderer. I hope you don't die today. You're going to die someday, and I'm going to die someday. And it's because the devil is a murderer. Because he beguiled a woman to go against God's Word. He's still fighting today by trying to go against God's Word. Now notice this. Brother Shane mentioned this in Sunday school. I had noticed it. But I never paid attention to it and honed in on it a whole lot. But it was when Jesus was baptized and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove that Satan immediately went to tempt him. What did he do? He said, if thou be. He put a question mark on Jesus to Jesus. And cast doubt. Tried to cast out on Jesus. What did Jesus do? Well, how did Jesus respond to Satan? It is, written, it, is written, it 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 is written. What matters is what's written. Because you get Jesus and the attributes of Jesus when you accept what's written. So notice, if you will, he says, for he is a liar and the father of it. So he, he's a mastermind at lying With the shame. He's he's come up with every way possible to sell you on a lie. Now, that ought to scare us to know how faithful he is and how hard at work he is, and to know that the Bible's already teaching us that in the last days, perilous times will come and that people will have itching ears. They won't want the truth. We're there, we're here. You ought to actually be so scared that any time anybody tells you anything, you go back and apply it to the Word of God and see if it's truth or not. I appreciated what the preacher said the other Wednesday night that Brother, uh, brother Rutman he, he said, if what I say is in the Bible, you ought to take it. If what I say you're unsure about, you ought to study it. And if what I say isn't in God's Word, you ought to throw it in the trash. Because what I say don't amount to nothing. It's what his book says. All right, so someone that will believe, uh, will not believe the truth obviously believes a lie, right? I mean, that's not deep. We know Satan's trying to sell people on lies. He's the father of it, so he's a schemer. And he's determined to transform himself into an angel of light so that he looks like the truth, Brother Donnie. That means that if he's, a, if he's a beguiler, if he's a deceiver, he wants you to believe what he says without you realizing that what he says isn't true. So if it looks like light, it looks like truth, I mean it feels good, why why would it be wrong? Friend, you better understand, it's like walking through a minefield today, one step in front of another step, in front of another step, just trying to get through it without losing a limb. That's what Satan's trying to do. Everywhere we turn, not just in this county, not just in this state, but worldwide today, there's false doctrines everywhere but, but Brother Ray, there's some doctrines that you and I look at and we, we don't even pay it any attention. Those are not the ones that get you. It's the truth. It, it's, it's the lies that's mixed with the truth that looks so much like real life, Brother Donnie, that you and I accept it and take it as truth. And unfortunately, the people in this county that we live in is so eat up with things that look... Like truth, but it has so much deception in it that they can't see it as a lie. Now, you would agree with me that a half truth is a whole lie. And while someone would argue that there's some versions of the Bible, uh, you know, another version of the Bible that's not King James, that, that well, I, I know people that's been saved reading the versions. Well, I got this for you. I got a member of my family, a distant member of my family, that, that went to a church, Brother Shane, that preached out of a new King James version. Can I tell you that that man got saved? You say, I don't believe that. Well, he did. He believes Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross at Calvary for his sin, shed his blood without the remission of, uh, without shedding blood, there's no remission of sin. He understood that he was born a sinner and that he had sin in his life and he needed to get it out. And and apart from Jesus Christ, he was going to die and go to hell. He's saved. But that don't mean the Bible that he was reading didn't have false doctrine in it. Which means that it's the subtlety of Satan that will take you down a road and lead you off to destruction. Satan's not going to come in, Brother Donnie, and slap you upside the head and let you know he's here. He comes in as light, which means he's a deceiver. He wants you to think what's right is right when it's wrong. But do it where you can't detect it. And unfortunately, we've moved so far away from the truth that things get watered down, that that eventually you get to the place where the the truth is changed. First of all, truth don't change because Jesus don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is why he had to preserve his word because we know the devil was going to mess with it. You already know he was going to mess with it. So to say that somebody can't get saved reading another version, I would never say that. That's stupidity. But I'll say this. I won't preach out of nothing but a King James Bible because I believe it to be God's preserved Word and I believe that I have God's preserved Word because Jesus won't lie. Jesus left me the Word of God so that I could uh, to live my life by His will. But understanding that Satan wants to change it. Satan always wants to move our line because you and I, if we say that we're going to serve God, we're going to follow truth. We're going to follow light. We're going to stay steadfast and unmovable. And, and what's he going to do? He has to deceive us. He's not going to get us through rebellion, so he's going to change the truth. That's what he does. That's how he operates. So he's transformed into a devil. I mean, uh, into an angel of light. Now, Vance Havner had this to say, and, and I'm I'm trying to close. The devil is is not fighting religion. He's too smart for that. He is producing a counterfeit Christianity. So much like the real one that good Christians are afraid to speak out against it. We are plainly told in scriptures that in the last days men will not endure sound doctrine. And will depart from the faith and heed to themselves teachers to tickle their ears. We live in an epidemic of this itch. And popular preachers have developed ear tickling into a fine art. Now I want you to understand something. This old man's been dead for years. He's seen this coming as he was preaching back in the 50s and 60s and in the early 70s. Where are we at today? Now, the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 12 through 15 But what I do, that will I do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed. Into an angel of light. Light in these contexts. Is truth. Satan desires to change the truth. Therefore it is no great thing. If his ministers also be transformed. As the ministers of righteousness. Whose ends shall be according to their works. Now I want to say this. Holding back truth. Is as much a lie. As telling something that isn't true. And so just because. Because. Uh, there is truth coupled with a lie doesn't make it truth. Okay? I, I could tell Brother Shane, uh, 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 I, could, I could tell a big fishing story to Brother Ray and just absolutely stretch the limits on, on the size of the fish I caught or the amount. Mm-hmm. There might be a lot of truth to where I went fishing, to what I used fishing, and I might have actually caught some fish, but I could lie to them. Now let me ask you a question. When I have told him the truth, no, I lied to him. I lied to him. There was some truth in it, but there was enough lies in it that what I told him wasn't the truth. And I believe that we can hold a Bible in our hand that isn't the truth. Because let me ask you this. The Bible says, let God be true. And every man a liar. So if God be true, and the word of God's been preserved for us, then God can't give us a lie. And you know Satan wants to mess with it to give us a lie because he has to mar the truth because that's what an artificial lie is. It's not real truth. So God, Satan can never be God, but he's always tried to be. That means he's a counterfeit, not the real thing. So you have to be aware of it. You say, well, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. Can you put your finger on it any other way? If we know that in the last days perilous times will come and that men will be deceived... They'll turn away their ears from the truth. They'll be turned into fables. They, they, they have itching ears. And then tell me, where else is it? If what I'm saying is it right, put your finger on it somewhere else. It's not going to be the obvious, Brother Shane. It's not going to be the obvious things that go against the, the doctrines of the Word of God. It's going to be the subtle things. And after you move the subtle things so many times, you no longer have a definitive line of truth. Unfortunately, and I'm not just harping on the King James Bible. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is this. It's even in our preaching and our teaching. Where we just always give the grace, but we won't give the truth. God cannot lie. So let me say this. To leave part of God's word, which we know is truth, which we know is light, means you're allowing darkness in place of light. Now here's the thing about artificial light. Brother Shane can hand me a dollar general store flashlight that costs $2. Put a couple C batteries in it. I can go out here outside the church building in the dark and and find my way around, at least out in front of where my feet are at. But when the sun comes up in the morning, you're not going to see that light nowhere. The real light is going to outshine the artificial light every time. Now we say that light shines the brightest in the dark world. That's true. And we're in dark times. And little light seems to go a long way. But if it ain't the real light, it will not illuminate the way that God wants it to illuminate. We're only we're only scratching the surface in a day and time where we're going off into a devil's hell at warp speed. And we're, we're throwing more artificial light out than we ever have. Moving farther away. And that's the thing. As the time progresses and the need for truth is getting more rich all the time... We're stepping farther and farther and farther and farther away from the truth. We're leaning heavy on the grace. We need some old time, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled meetings where a man of God will stand in their back and cry aloud and spare not. That's what we need. And it may seem rude in speech, as Paul said, but I'll tell you, if the Spirit of God, the power of God's on it, it'll be effectual. Well, we, we don't need water slides and water sports to get everybody in. What we need is the Holy Ghost of God to do for us what we cannot do. For ourselves, And once we actually realize that and own that for the truth and, and, and determine that no other way is going to be the right way than that, then we get serious about getting on board and what does it take to have that. What it takes to have that, friend, is, is falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, being willing to take all the truth, the whole counsel of the Word of God, to get on your face before God and cry and beg. When's the last time you remember people crying and begging for the power of God? When's the last time? When have you begged for the power of God? When have you asked God to endow you with such power that when you spoke, you spake as of the oracles of God and and the word of God was effectual in the hearts of people? So to leave part of God's word, which is truth and light, means you're allowing darkness in place of light. And when you don't give all the counsel of the word of God, you're actually promoting darkness, Brother Shane, rather than light. When When we could give the light of the sun, We're giving that double C battery dollar store light in this dark world that we live in. But I'm gonna tell you something, if we could ever get a hold of the sun and let the light of the sun get a hold of this world, it would illuminate and drive the darkness from every crook and crevice of this lost and dying world. And I, I fear today that we've got people that would rather be obstinate to the preacher, obstinate to the word, obstinate to the preaching and to the truth Because they think the answer is more love. Friend, truth is love. And when you get the truth, you get the grace. If you want the grace, you have to accept the truth. It hurts me because I see people that ought to know better that stood differently than where they do today. But due to compromise and being cold and complacent and lackadaisical and because there have been people that pushed this 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 grace, 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 grace. I love grace. I'm a recipient of grace. But I didn't get it apart from the truth, nor will anyone else. And anybody that says they got the grace apart from the truth needs to be saved by His marvelous grace. And the only way they're going to do that is to be told the truth. I'm going to tell you this, the truth hurts. Sometimes standing up telling somebody that has this problem the truth is painful, but it's much needed. And it'll be the only thing uh, that saves us today. Satan is trying to be light to get to those in the dark, uh, and I, I want you to—I want you to understand this. Or excuse me, Satan isn't trying to get those in the dark; he's already got them. Satan is trying to be the light and be an artificial light to take those that are not—they're not obstinate to God's word—and and move them away from what the truth actually is. To be deceived is to be pulled away from the true light into artificial light. Now, let me say this, and and I'm done. This is the last verse of Scripture that I want to deal with tonight. But Jude, verse 3, said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men, crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me say this to you: There's a problem, and we find it, we find apostasy in the Word of God, and we find where men would add works to grace. But there's another side of this. There's some that expect no works after grace. There's some that think grace is a license to sin. That's not grace. If you think that, that you've got the grace of God and that gives you the license to go live with the, all the sin you want to live, you don't have what I have. You didn't get what I got. Because I can't sin without the Holy Ghost of God wearing me out. That doesn't mean that I could not sin. But it means that I cannot sin without the Holy Ghost of God wearing me out for the sin that I'm involved in. So I worry about people that just go out and say, but what is lasciviousness? Lasciviousness is looseness. Oh my goodness. Have we ever lived in a day where people are getting loose with the Word of God? Lasciviousness is looseness, lustfulness. Why do people get loose with the Word of God? Because they're full of lust. They want what they want and they don't want to be told that they're wrong. And then wantonness. What is wantonness? It's Lacinthians. Lacinthians is indulging freedom to excess. People just want to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it. They want to hear the good loving story about Jesus and leave me alone about the rest. That's not the Jesus that I preach because that's not the Jesus that this book portrays. It's the Jesus of grace and truth. So I want to say this, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. You know what we've got to do, brother Shane? In the last days when things are getting worse, we have to contend harder than we ever have. Brother Donnie, we got to fight and scratch and claw like a cat that's, 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 that's scratching for its life to contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints because unfortunately there are saints today that are following artificial light, And they've compromised and compromised and compromised. But Hebrews 2.1 says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip, brother. Shame! We ought we ought to, to read. We ought to go over it more today than we ever have. We ought to think and give a more earnest heed to what we've heard more than we ever have. Why? Because if we don't, it's going to slip, and that's what we find here in this very word lasciviousness that we find in, in the only chapter in the book of Jude, is that that ungodly men are turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, looseness, the indulging freedom to excess. But we ought to give the more and to the things which we have heard lest at any time. We should let them slip. Brother Shane, it's it's not our fault that men before us let it slip. But it'll be our fault if we don't hold the line and contend for the faith today. And in the society in which we live in today, Brother Ray, if you and I do not stand flat-footed and hang on like a dog on a bone for the truth of the Word of God, we are not preaching the Jesus this Bible preached. I love grace. I thank God for grace. I'm a recipient of grace. But we understand that Jesus Christ was exemplifying his Father. And, And he was showing his glory through grace and truth. And anything but that isn't the Jesus I serve. He's full of two things, Brother Shane, and I'm done. Let's all stand to our feet. Grace and he's full of truth. You want the, if you want the uh, grace, you've got to have the truth. But I thank God if you'll take the truth, you can have the grace.